0: Hey, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And
1: I am Chip Chantry. Ken, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Just another day in paradise, man. Rocking and, rockin and rolling. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I want to start out by saying this, because this will come out after today, so I'm not ruining anything, but do you play Wordle? I I don't play Wordle. Okay. I've seen it a couple times. You're aware. You're okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's like all these offshoots now where it's like worldle where it's like it shows you a country just an outline of a country and you have to like guess what it is or there's there's and there's one called hurdle now yes. h-e-a-r so you know hurdle yes I've, I've, you, I've played that a couple times okay uh i got the hurdle today and I, i'm not blowing up anybody's spot because this will come out after it's, the day's over um uh, i got it in in the first try in like the literally just the downbeat of it was this kelly family was Could it the imagine? PP song? I lo- I fell in love with an alien. <laughs> you're close though. I mean, you're you're barking up the right tree. Do you want to you want to take a couple more guesses? Oh, really? Was it somebody? I would, well, I mean, yes and no. You're barking up the right tree. It's very it's so obvious. You're like, oh my god, yeah.
0: Uh, Hanson. Nope.
1: No. Def Leppard. No. Is it Porsum? No. No, that wouldn't you're, be you're, up there. You're you're getting in the right genre though. Yeah. But but you're thinking along the lines of what what are you Thinking about like you're thinking about guests on this show. Yes, it wasn't a guest on the show though. Oh, was it somebody we've covered? Think bigger. No, we actually. Well, uh, yes and no. We've we've definitely mentioned this person, and and this person was in a group that we covered. But, like, just it's so obvious you're going to be like, oh, my God, why am I not getting it? Get it. this? So oh, listeners are probably now. It's only
0: rock and roll. I mean, uh, I love rock and roll. <laughs> it's only, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Only Rock and Roll. <laughs> I forgot the name of our own show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to WT Music. Um, yes, it was, uh, it was. Where do we was- go from here? It was Joan Jett and uh, I love rock and roll. Yeah, the um, was she always Joan Jett in the Black Hearts? Do you know? Was I, that I'm after the Runaway. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so it wasn't just like because I I remember I knew her as Joan Jett. I mean, I was super little, but I remember. Oh yeah, it's Joan Jett. And then I remember there was an album later in the '80s that came out. Was it, I hate myself for loving you? I think, and it was Joan yeah. Jett and the Black Hearts. And I didn't know if that was a, I, a later edition.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not totally sure. We are. Uh... We are working on trying to get her on. Yeah. So we we can ask her. I mean, Maybe. with that
1: intro, how is she going to say no? I mean, yeah. just a just a fine-tuned podcast that, that, yeah. that can't go off the rails at all.
0: <laughs> hey, Joan, we love that song of yours. It's only rock and
1: roll. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm so dumb. No, I mean, because it's so obvious it's hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, but we're not talking about Joan Jett today. No, we're not. No.
0: Wouldn't it have been funny if we just spent an hour with me trying to guess. Guess the world. Yeah. That, how
1: how horrible or and maybe maybe I'm wrong because I don't know how podcasts work and I don't know what makes them popular. But like, what if that's a daily podcast where you just make the other person guess what the wordle is for the day? And that's that's all the podcast is. Right, it could run be anywhere. The worst, most excruciating thing, or would it be the most entertaining thing? It would Earth? be You're
2: ruining my next podcast. They're coming in at 1.30, <laughs> and they're going to be very upset with this whole thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, let's. Um, I think it would because because that's a podcast that could go anywhere from like it could be an eight minute podcast to a seven and a half hour podcast. Sure. So. Yeah. It would be, uh, I don't know. I feel like that would get tough. Yeah. Um, Let's introduce our guest today. We didn't have to go very far. No. No. Um, Our guest today is, uh, he's the guitarist in, did I get that right? Yeah. 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 The guitarist in Serious Matters, plus uh, our engineer here. Welcome Chris Madd to the show.
2: Hey, guys. It is great to be here. It's funny because I'm technically always here, regardless of when you're recording. Yes. So they actually just put me in a closet and then they tell me what time I had to turn back on. So
0: I guess, Chris, my first I know you have some things to promote. But my first question for you is why is it always so fucking hot in this studio?
2: It's very funny that you bring that up. I have a condition. It's called being this hot piece of ass. And it makes everything <laughs> terrible wherever I
0: go. <laughs> oh, it's it's not even the office. It's just being around you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if we turn the air conditioning on, that will be the podcast and the talking probably will get drowned out, right?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess so. Um, so – you – where where do you live? You're, you're local. So
2: I started – What is up, your address? Give, uh,
0: give the listeners your address and your social security.
2: 123 Mechanic Street?
0: Come on, guys. <laughs> um,
2: so I'm actually from the area. Grew up in Monmouth County, uh, literally two minutes away from Red Bank in Little Silver. It was always a minute walk right over the train tracks. And I've grown up here for like 25 of the 27 years of existence I've been
0: doing. That's how you're so you're 27? Yeah. I because it's tough with the fucking beard, you can't ever tell how old people are.
2: I grew this in eighth grade, and <laughs> once everyone was like, Oh, there's a 27 year old in high school, rad. I just kept it because you know it really helped. Yeah. And then when I was 19, beers, 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 beers.
0: <laughs> um, how long has serious matters been together?
2: Um, so we actually it was the Disillusion of another band that brought serious matters together. We had just broken up after being together for five years and the other guitarist, Kenny, uh, was part of that band. And we I started writing riffs and he hit me up and he was like, I've got some riffs. Do you wanna go try some stuff out? And then six years later, here we are, kinda just, you know, um, releasing music independently and Touring as we can, as much as we can, and it's been like a crazy ride from starting in some parents' basement. Yeah. Straight up. Literally in the garage with the car next to us, the whole nine.
1: Now that's a fairly bold move. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say he's a guitarist, you're a guitarist. And you're like, let's get together and do this. Right, right. It's, is there is there a competition? Is is one a like more rhythm guitarist? One more of a we lead guitar?
2: Have decided that it was in our best interest that we switch off. Um, it's it, it's kind of like every three songs because a lot of the time writing is mostly us. Whether it's just because we're the only ones who can get together, or um, you know time constraints. So a lot of the time we'll come in, he'll either have like a rhythm or a lead and I'll be like, oh, I know what to do with that. You, you're mm-hmm. doing this. You can do this, this and this. It's more of like a um, a mutual teaching relationship. He teaches me things from a land of not being like super views, uh, versed in music and everything and I teach him the four or five, six years of high school I spent
1: doing music stuff. <laughs> And
2: uh, and what kind of
1: music stuff was that? Like, how did you come up in music? uh,
2: I did choir for eight years and I was
1: like, well, this is this guy right here. Same thing. I was I was
0: just about to make a joke. that chip looks
1: like he did choir. (laughs) I was I was the I was the president. Of the honors choir in high school. Let so me bow down to this look at man. me. Look, look at this at, man. Can, I can just see Ken like going through his Rolodex trying to figure out who his next co host is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was the president uh,
0: in my high school of the uh, Calling Choir Gay Club. <laughs> <laughs> I got those letters. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's
1: so there's honors choir, like there's. Yeah, it was like the select, like anybody could join the choir. So there was like a hundred kids probably in the choir. But then there was like a, it was called the corral, which was the honors, which is like, there was like 25 of us that was like. The, it was like the, the, like the good ones. The
2: chorus yeah. Cattle.
3: Yeah.
1: Like varsity, basically. Yeah. <laughs> varsity choir. Yeah. You know, we got our letters and then just the shit kicked out of us constantly. Yeah. My jacket says, kick me on the back of it. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> by the way. And I don't want to. I should say that I was more well-rounded than that. I just wasn't like this choir kid. I was also the president of the uh, the theater association. So. Oh, so, yeah. oh, yeah. So I was kind of tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I played and I played tennis. So, so, so you, you, know, were, you were a little more rough and tumble than you you expected.
2: <laughs> was life hard as such a badass? Because it makes me it makes me feel a little uh, you know just inadequate.
1: Yeah. It was just sort of like going from town to town as a gunslinger. Like just that was that was that. Feel. You know, I was so insulated that like I thought I was cool and just uh, kind of just avoided all of the other kids. Like if they weren't in the music or theater program, I really didn't go near them. That was pretty much I just had this little world that I was in. I, that, that's That's kind of the way I look at it. And so I was lucky that I didn't get my ass handed to me on a daily basis.
0: Well, I guess that's smart. If you only hang with
1: the choir kids, they're like, they're not going to kick your ass for being in choir. I was like one of the cool kids in the choir. So it's like, if you have that hierarchy, why not? Yeah. What did you do in high school, Ken? I did a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I. Be, like, vice president of like weed or <laughs>
0: I was the uh, I was the secretary of the Honors
1: Weed Society. Yeah. By the way, w- way more marketable than anything that I learned in the theater. Yeah. Like you could have a dispensary now. You could be making millions. Like there's, yeah. There's, I there's I could be, wrong. but I'm not. Yeah. Well. Um. So so, so Chris, what did you so so you- I
2: wound up going to school uh, a, a special performing arts high school. Okay. Uh, that also had a bunch of different programs, but I wasn't one of the special kids who got to be the performing arts. I had to work my ass off to try and make it even into that because, uh, the kids who are for, for performing arts were from like around the County. They would just, mm-hmm. they would be like sent off from districts. So I got to live that life without actually being a part of it. So my friends weren't in the visual performing arts. I got to hang out with all the regular kids and, uh, not get my ass kicked. But definitely get made fun of enough. And I yeah. spent my entire time uh, high school just like, I'm going to do music. Then I got out of high school and I was like, crap. I have no <laughs> skills.
0: <laughs> were, were you one of these kids that um, like were you just locked in your bedroom hours a day learning how to play? Uh,
2: after middle school, yeah. Yeah, that was my thing. I would lock myself away and kind of just jam until I was like, yeah, this is good. This is this is fine. But I would do that every day for months at a time. Yeah. So it, it kind of started building up. And then, you know, eventually I had to go out and do something with it. You can't just you can play by yourself and everything. But what fun is that? Then it's masturbation. I want to play with people. I want to, you know, a musical orgy, if you will. <laughs> so uh,
1: it, who were you? Li- who were you listening to growing up? Like what was the what was what was on the uh, in the CD player?
2: Ooh, I had – my brother and sister had a lot of music that kind of just got like shoehorned to me. So I had like System of a Down in one of the CD players and then I had um, like Queens of the Stone Age in the other and then Backstreet Boys. So I got this huge mix of shit that kind of just – like the pop knowledge and then rock and metal for what it's worth kind of tucked together and then i've been following that ever since just like music such a wide open array of different things that i've kind of been searching for but what else is there out there mm. um and that's kind of that's kind of where i followed i think my new music intake stopped in 2006
0: <laughs> yeah. oh really yeah, yeah my you, you you don't you don't search out new music still
2: uh. And I I don't even have Spotify or anything, so it doesn't come to me. If I have to find music, it's usually me stumbling upon it myself rather than – because, like, you know how there's that website Mm Bandcamp. I literally just go through the tags of genres and I'm like, all right, what do I like? And I'll just go and listen. And I spend, like, a day doing that and that will be like, oh, here's all the music that I'm going to put in. Or even worse, when I'm writing, I can't listen to anyone else's music. Right. Because uh, what I noticed is that if I wait four years – Some idea is going to subconsciously come into my music that I didn't realize until then.
0: I think that's a problem for just writers, period, in general. I I have the same – sometimes a joke will just arrive in my head, just poof, like fully formed, Mm -hmm. you know, like set up, punchline, tag, and it's fully formed. And I'm like, that is so great. But then I have to – think like it just came to me so easily did did i have the thought or did i subconsciously hear it several years ago in a club did i did i read that as a tweet a long time ago so there is i think there is something to be said for that
1: there yeah i think it's called poisoning like you you get again like you hear a joke you're like, that's a great joke. Forget about it. Six months later, you write that joke, you yeah. know, because and you don't. And like, that's why I'm always. And like, I don't know if you do this maybe with your bandmates or whatever, Chris, but like I have a couple of so, so, some of my comedy friends were we're always going back and forth. Like, is this I come up with an idea, that brilliant joke. And it's like, is this funny? And have you heard this before? Like to try to do the due diligence of like or like hopefully maybe like in a, a mic or something, somebody would be like, hey, that's kind of like, uh, you know, th- you know. X, Y, Z, you know, that, yeah. that's that's kind of like a Bill Burr has a bit like that. You're like, oh, that's, you know, absolutely. Oh, that's
2: right. Especially since our band, the band dynamic, uh, like our singer is straight from the hardcore sing scene. Our drummer does more gospel and jazz stuff, and he also loves really technical metal. Uh, our bassist is kind of just like his favorite band is the Strokes. Yeah. So we're all over the place when it comes uh, from Like wide varieties of musical backgrounds and that kind of gives us the upper edge I think because a lot of times we're listening to music, we hear something that was in a different genre of music and we're like, now that is something that we can interpolate into our music because that idea is just so good but it also hasn't been used in like – we do a lot of jazz related things.
0: Because Um, your your drummer, you said, is a jazz drummer. Explain the importance of having a jazz drummer in a rock band. Because it's – Jesus. Yeah. It seems like all the great rock bands had jazz drummers.
2: It's something about the way they hear rhythm that I I can't fully explain because I'm not a drummer. But the way we usually hear music as one, two, three, four – their subdivision, their brain just takes it and does all of these uh, really big, like algorithmic thoughts. And then they just put different time signatures on top of it or create a groove that wasn't there from the straight one, two, three, four. And that's the beautiful thing. Cause once you get groovy, once you get the ability to bop your head or wag your finger or, you know, stomp around, that's when the music starts getting made. Yeah. And I feel like it's not before that point. Uh, where music's being made, or you're just throwing ideas around. But that's just me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's correct. And I hate to do this, like pigeonhole, but like, uh, what, what what would you like? What genre of music would you say? So, that... uh, uh, I always imagine us as a um, a uh, heavy
2: alternative band uh, in the vein of the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters have a lot of. Uh, diverse musical genres that they have incorporated into their own music, um, over their album's worth. So, like, I know I'm a really huge fan of them, and their first album totally inspired me. Uh, so I'd like to think we're like a little bit of a heavier Foo Fighters because we do kind of tread into that, like, really, uh, complex, uh, Like metal background, but we really try to reel ourselves back in because we don't want to fully do that. And we've dipped Mm -hmm. our toe in. We did a single that was screaming and like everything that we were just like, let's experiment. And it took off. And we were like, we're going to change the direction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of the single?
2: So that single is uh, called Used. Used. And uh, we actually haven't played it live in about six years. We had a singer from another band come in and do a lot of the main lines. And then our singer did the backup vocals. And it was so cool, the collaboration that we got to do. Um, so much so that I go back and occasionally just relearn the riffs that I wrote because I was like, "These are too good. I hope they don't go to
0: waste." <laughs> <laughs> i mean, what, what. was the thinking about bringing in another uh, behind bringing in another singer and and having your singer do background?
2: Um, it was a it was an interesting time because. Serious Matters has had a uh, a myriad of different lineup changes throughout the six li- the six years that it's been alive as a project. Um, you know, we've gone through singers a dime a dozen. Uh the only people who have been consistent are me and Kenny essentially.
0: Um, That's the other, other guitar guitarists. player.
2: And um Matt, our singer, used to be our bassist mm-hmm. before this. Uh before we picked up a uh, record label deal at one point in time. He was our bassist and the other singer was our full-time singer. So we we kind of – we got picked up by a label. We had to start making different moves, start to fix things because that's what labels do. And uh, after that, we had a single that had a guest singer on it. So it was very hard to market it.
0: Yeah, but, I would imagine.
2: Um, it was worth it because it showed a completely different range. We went to a different studio. We went to a different producer. We did everything the opposite of what we did um, beforehand. And it was incredible. But it was also expensive. Yeah. And that was the big thing because that single was more than uh, like an used car payment. <laughs> and we were like, we just can't do that right now. That's not – as much as we want to be this big musical, we can't put that much money into that certain – you know, that avenue. But it definitely helped us creatively because it expanded what does two vocals sound like? What are all these things that we couldn't do before? And it led into our new album a lot where we did backing uh, vocals and harmonies and things like that because those ideas were exposed to us in the studio.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was going to ask when you talked about the CDs in your stereo growing up and you mentioned the Backstreet Boys. Um, of course, it's easy to goof on them. But did you learn anything from from listening to that?
2: What I learned from them is that there is uh, – maybe not even the guys in general because they were just playing the parts of the producers and the writers behind it. Right. But the producers and writers had some astounding ideas about just how – popular music and the concepts that they were following, um, different variations rhythmically, whether it be stopping or starting or different things like that are truly there. When you go into pop music and look at the producers behind it, some of the ideas that they make just unbelievable. And they don't make it till rock, maybe five, ten years later, because everyone's like, ha, huh, the Backstreet Boys, P. shaw. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of how I was as a teenager, like <sighs>
3: <laughs> what is what?
2: Um, but now I have the retrospect and the hindsight to be like, oh, okay, this music is here because the work was put in. And it, you know, it's kind of getting clowned on because of how popular it is.
1: Right. And you, cause you forget that. Cause like I'll d- dismiss something that's too popular. It's like, oh, it's for the kids. Or it's like, it's not my alternative rock, indie, indie rock, whatever. But it's like, if it's like a, whether it's, you know, I'm trying to think of like, you, you know, Rihanna, Katy Perry, or like who, whoever it is. And you're like, if you really listen to it, listen to it, you're like, oh my God, that's such a great hook. Like, it's just such, it's an undeniable hook. And to dismiss it, it's, a, it's like, it just cuts you off from so much. Like, it's like, I really try to keep an open mind whenever I, really with anything, like with its movies, TV, other comedians, like, I'm like, I can probably take something from this.
2: Yeah. There's some, I feel like there's a lot to be learned from a lot of basically, any type of media that gets put out there because the work was put into it and I mean, sometimes it's not. <laughs> we, we've sure. all seen Airbud. Bud. Um, <laughs> but like for the, the shining moment for this example was I was a freshman in high school and this was probably my second week of classes. We were told to analyze pop music uh, and I was like, i analyze what, what, you want me to do what now? But uh, just going over chord progressions of a song. So they chose a, Katie no not Lady Gaga song and when we were going over it i was like well this is more reminiscent to classical music than it is pop music because these chords are going to places where they usually don't belong and um that right there the idea of uh, harmony and stuff like that is something we don't get in rock because you know we're just putting out energy and emotion a lot mm. of time and we're not thinking about the uh the harmonic um, thought process on the rest of it. That's what we writing now. Cause we're writing again. Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot more. Like now I have books filled with chord progressions that we're going through and I'm analyzing them before we even get to the pre-production stage, which is something we've never done before because Kenny doesn't know. Kenny's learning music as we're going on this journey and I'm improving my music skills because I realized how valuable they are. <laughs>
0: and who uh, who writes your lyrics um
2: lyrical concepts has been an interesting thing because our fur our first ep we only had 2 weeks to write and me and Kenny pretty much wrote all the lyrics so just full done mm-hmm. and then our first full length album uh, we took to ourselves to start writing and workshop them together instead of writing together.
0: As, as a whole band?
2: Yeah, because it was a little bit harder. You know, Groupthink makes things a lot harder because everyone wants to put their idea in. Yep. And when you explore every single idea, you just lose track of time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So now what we do is we get certain ideas or concepts. We bring them in and we workshop them together. We'll sit around for about an hour and listen to the music on a loop and just be like, okay, what do I like here? What ideas do I like here? Where can I like, um, you know, where can I really expand on this? Against where can't I? So Ken and I have written lyrics as well as Matt writing lyrics, but Darian has too. We've all put like equal parts in when it comes because we we thought just workshopping together made better music mm-hmm. when doing it ourselves.
1: Now here's something I I haven't listened to all, all of your catalog, but I've listened to a bunch of your songs. Um, And, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's got that, you know, alt rock feel to it and just like the emotion of it, it, you know, it's like, you know, it can be kind of dark and can kind of be despairing. Like, is there, what does that energy do? Like, what do you, how do you feel like you're, are you having, obviously you're having fun, but like what vibe are you putting out when you're on stage or when you want to put out there? Like, is it, can you be goofy? Can you fool around? so what, what does that look like for
2: a live performance for us um serious matters is the like top irony right there because that is the exact opposite of what we are in right. any capacity I, I can't imagine any time where i think we've been serious
1: right and if right. you
2: see us on stage we're simply just smiling, having fun. If someone messes up, I think we get more excited because of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> And at that point in time, that's like uh, we create this very—it's like um—it's like knowing your little brother. He, he like he's got so much potential. Uh, he's got his own things going on, but you see the best things in him, and he's growing up to be this strong person. You're proud of that, and I feel like. That's what we are. We're goofy behind the scenes. We just, we just pal around and laugh most of the times. Uh, and then writing is more of our outlet for true feelings. And I mm-hmm. think it shows a lot in our songs, um, especially as of late. It's just what we're going through at that time, literally dealing with it. Because I know I wrote a Christmas song uh, pretty soon after my, so- my mom's death. Because I was like, I need a sad, cathartic Christmas song to listen to, and there wasn't really much of there, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do it myself," and that yeah. made me feel. I think that was one of the steps into getting out of what this little depression—not little, but this depression hole—that I had. It's it's very cathartic whenever I'm writing it down because we just have to go through it every time we play it. Yeah, night yeah. terrors, for example, because um, like I wrote that from beginning to end pre-production, drums, bass, all of it. And then I brought it to the band. So it was very personal to me. And Mm -hmm. this was the second single off our uh, LP, Mistaking Wasp for Dragonflies. But, like, it was so personal to me that it still occasionally brings me to tears as we're playing it just because, like, man, I feel it just as hard as I did when I was writing it. But it gives me uh, the drive to move forward and be able to face it head on because – uh, what I've learned from going across the country is that w- w- we're not the only ones feeling like this. And there's a uh, – there's a large, large population of people who feel these feelings who get pushed to the wayside like 80 percent of the time.
1: Yeah. And uh, – w- What what are those crowds? Do you have like a who's, – who's a uh, – um, Who's a serious matter head? Like what, The demographic
2: is weird because we have people who are 45 who are like, this is the best shit ever. Uh, and then we have 15-year-olds who are like, this is going to be the best shit ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've never fa- – like it's literally between 15 and 45 is our age demographic if you look at any of our statistics, male and female, which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting in that. Um, so a serious matters head probably looks like a dude with a beard and a beanie, probably an all black. <laughs> <laughs>
0: huh? Um, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, when Chip and I were talking off air, it's very, your music's very nineties alternative on the heavier side. Um, system of a down who you yeah. mentioned, we were both like, yeah, this is, this is kind of a, so I can see people and mine and Chip's. Uh, age range who were there, you know, when, when that music hit the first time, who were like, Hey, you know, we forgot how great this kind of music could be. And the younger people who were probably hearing this and have have no idea about System of a Down or any, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, who were like, Hey, this is such a great sound I've never heard before. So that that does make sense to me.
2: It's like that 20-year cycle thing. You know what I mean? Yes. I feel like every 20 years something comes back into vogue. Yeah. And I think grunge is doing its thing maybe 30 years now at this point. But it's not – but it evolved because grungy was a certain type of feeling. Now it's more of a uh, – An aesthetic, (laughs) like a style. I hate that.
0: Well, that's. I mean, that's what grunge kind of turned into at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, like all all your friends started wearing flannels, but they were buying them, you know. (laughs) They weren't going to Kmart and buying flannels. Yeah, they were going to Abercrombie and Fitch and buying $75 flannels to try and look. Like they
1: yeah. were wearing a $5 flannel. And, and not that I was the coolest kid in high school. I, yeah, now we've. we've let li- li- listen to the beginning <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> you've, you've made that pretty clear. But, like, you know, I was there. I remember in ninth grade when, like, the cool kids were passing around a cassette, a, a handmade cassette that said Pearl's Jam on it. Like, it was, you know, it was. We didn't know what it was and it was like this big new thing and then Nirvana came out. But, like I was, but I still remember the death of that. I was. I worked at a pharmacy and it was like my senior year of high school. And they just had these like book space, not for kids, but almost like for tweens, I guess. And it was just like all these like 90s things. And it was almost like, here's what grunge is. And it was just like, it was almost like a picture book of what grunge. And I was like, this is, it's over now. You know? It was just like, this is, we need to move on.
2: Yeah, we need to uh, chop this off and start moving forward, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you, now, what I'll is go. the not, – not to get too much into the business end of it, but like obviously like comedy has changed so much since Ken and I have started. Even just like the business model of like how do you get successful? What's the What's the path? What is the path for you guys as far as like what's your goal and what – not not to get into dollars and cents, but like what makes money? What is what is the goal? Because it used to be like, oh, get the record deal or like I want to sell a million albums. And it's like, well, that's not really necessarily a thing.
2: Not really it, tangible yeah.
1: anymore. Right. And, and then it's like, is it touring? Like, what what does that look like for you guys? Um,
2: in this landscape right now, especially post-COVID, venues just straight up fell off the uh, face of the earth and in Grand quantities. So it's been a lot of do-it-yourself. We have speakers and subs and we're going to make a show happen. When Mm -hmm. it comes down to what makes money anymore or what uh, like blows up, I literally just had this conversation. It's literally the luck of the draw. I don't think there is any rhyme or reason. It's just the right TikTok sound to the right influencer at the
1: right time. You know, that's interesting. Do you guys have a big – web presence like what's where how do you try to get your music out there
2: um so for us it web presence is hard because for me personally i uh i'm a hermit when it comes to online things i think my facebook is merely for advertising purposes and anything else is just like band related um so a lot of the times it's been uh like terrestrial stuff, getting on radios, getting our songs and different things like that. Uh uh, we found a lot of success for Instagram reels. Mm-hmm. Um we've had our newest single glitches from an upcoming EP uh hit over 140 or 150,000 plays on Instagram from people just wow. using it on reels. Yeah. And wow. I, I was taken aback because I was like, I don't think I know 150 people. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. imagine
1: 150,000 people. Wait, so how does how does that work? So you just you your music is out there, mm-hmm. and and so 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 how are people finding? So is so it, like, I, I don't know exactly
2: how they're finding it because like we've been on uh, WSOU, you know, South Orange. Mm-hmm. We've been on the Rat. Um, we've been on the Core. We've had our music go out on a lot of terrestrial radio. But what we found out is that. Uh, when we went on Instagram to go look at the, like, analytics, things had popped off without us realizing it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And
2: so we, we're we kind of unsure ourselves what makes the music scene tick. Um, yeah,
1: that's, that's it, really crazy.
2: Because, like, one of our other songs, The World Over Heaven, happened to reach like a thousand people right off the bat. And it's just a guitar playthrough, just me and Kenny playing the guitar of the track. Mm-hmm. And we were like, why are you all here? How did you all get <laughs> right. here? Who told you? Yeah. Tell me. Um, and it's happened a lot. We got booked at Starland. We have no idea who got us that. We played for King's X. Oh, we, wow. We have no idea. Wow. We paid played to like 500 people. It was truly like really awesome. But we have no idea how we got the gig. We just got set up, showed up, sold some tickets and played the show.
0: So I mean no green. no nobody asked nobody did well, any well, kind we, of digging like, room. We didn't
2: we didn't do any any back end and they never really got back to us on. How did you guys find out? But that's mm-hmm. kind of our whole story cuz we've played the Knitting Factory right there mm-hmm. for some Scandinavian band. Uh, they just they put us in the green room and shit. We played the Bowery Electric the same idea. How
0: great is the Bowery? Man. Have you ever been in the Bowery Ballroom? I have. I've, I've always wanted to, but you haven't been to. So cool! It's it's uh, that place is electric when you. Yeah. I I saw, I've seen Queens of the Stone Age there. Yeah. I saw the White Stripes there before they were Ooh. big. I've seen so many good bands there. But it's, I mean, what, how many people do you think that fits? Not, not even a thousand. Do you not think even a thousand. A thousand probably. Yeah. Like eight,
2: seven, eight
0: hundred. Seven Yeah. Wow. Tops. Yeah.
1: It's like the probably like the TLA in Philly. It's yeah. Just a, yeah. Yeah. That's a great. Um, Is it still.
0: Um, can you remember what it was like hearing your song on the radio? I know it used to be like you got a song on the radio and you were made. And now it's, you know.
2: When I heard it the first time, uh, it was actually through. uh WSOU's Street Patrol shout out to them because they they really they came out to see us at a show a few months after they put us on mm-hmm. but um, they do a segment that's like uh, crank or yank and they put a song up and they're like text in we'll either yank it or crank it and uh, for the first time we had a song get cranked we've never had that before we we submitted like once before and, yeah. you know and at that point we were like what and I listened in and it was just unreal because the Radio quality is just a little bit worse than everything else. But hearing it through my car radio, uh, it, it was kind of life-changing. Just like, whoa, I did oh, this. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because Glitches, the track that we put out, was just a B-side of our last record. Uh, it got written before the last track of our last record and just got put away to the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was some funny track called Carl the Manicorn that I just had in a folder. And I was like, well, we'll hold on to this one day. (laughs) And uh, we always have silly, stupid uh, pre-production names. Our newest one came from Ken's joke about his uh, space laser. Uh, So I was like, oh, that's so funny. Pew, pew, pew. I'm going to keep that. Pew, pew. So now that's one of the pre-production
0: names. Oh, that's funny.
2: So it's just like little things like that um, have been interesting on the business side because you don't really know what does and what doesn't. And like everyone can tell you this is what does and what doesn't, and that's a load of crap. Mm
0: -hmm. Nobody knows. (laughs) Unless unless they're successfully doing it, Mm -hmm. nobody knows.
2: Yeah, and that's that's what you learn as you you go on. You just kind of see, oh, okay, this is the real deal. This is – a load of crap they're guaranteeing too many things
0: yeah yeah. (laughs) so tell us about uh this festival that you're that you're (laughs) launching
2: so uh actually between here uh red bank rehearsal and red tank brewing uh all these businesses are putting together a curated list of uh some of the best bands that we have in our jersey area called uh Beers for tears fest it's our answer to the last three years of being completely uh isolated from shows music making um why did, well, so, cre- did something happen yeah what did you um, guys take a hiatus uh, there or was what? a uh there was a uh man a panoramic something was happening <laughs> around the time when people can, i don't know what it was
1: so we'll long believe ago you. okay we'll believe you
2: um and we just like all of our favorite venues had closed. There's nothing around. Our alternative originally is we threw a show at the rehearsal studio mm-hmm. and it, we packed it out, which was crazy. So we knew that right then and there – so there's something to this.
0: Yeah, people are craving. People need it. Yeah, people want to be out and seeing music again. So
2: after we did that and that was about – I want to say last June, we decided – What if we did this at a bigger space because the rehearsal studio is small. It's not the most ideal place for a show. But uh, we have a connect over at Red Tank Brewing and they have a spot for a venue. They have the drums and everything ready to go. So uh, one of my closest friends, Tom Lakazak from over there, he was – he decided, hey, we'll get this done. We are going to – we're going to work this out. We're going to get all the specifics and by the time September came around – we had already had the blueprints to what we were going to do. Um, and then let's say March, we finally had everyone confirm. And we were like, all right, this is a go. We are going to bring out a festival uh, in Red Bank because the last time there was anything similar to that was when we had Chubby's in the Internet Cafe almost a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So – uh, you know, we've been going around town trying to get vendors and things like that to uh, be a part of it because Red Tank doesn't have food, but there are so many food places right around yes. there. And it's bring your own food. Yeah. So we decided let's just get every – let's bring the community together as best we can to have this local uh, renaissance of creative energy. So we're going to do a – I believe it's 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, we're going to have – the, the windows open at the brewery. They have the big garage windows and we play in a full blast, full body show for the whole day with $5 beer specials and uh, all types of crazy stuff happening throughout. And we're going to um, – you know, it's been a lot of work getting everything together on $0 worth of money. We've had to
0: do this with a shoestring budget, if that. I'm sure bands are itching to play though, right? Everyone. And I'm sorry. Did did you say the date? Uh, Yes. I said
2: May 14th this – next Saturday, right? Yeah. Next Saturday, I believe. Um, I'll be – I'll actually be providing the sound engineering as well as getting it set up and everything. And then Serious Matters is actually going to be playing later in the night as well. Uh, And I've learned after multiple uh, attempts and failures that I can do our own sound and play a show at the same time. It just takes a little tweaking.
0: (laughs) That's got to be crazy stressful, I would think.
2: This will be the fifth time that I'm doing it. And uh, it was stressful the first three times. The fourth time, it was like, all right, set it and forget it. This next time is probably going to be set it and just let it roll. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just happens with uh, – there have been multiple times where we showed up to a show in like New York City and they didn't have us booked for anything and the booker was like, what do you mean? So I had to do the sound for us there and uh, that was the most stressful thing ever. But it really gave me like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it
0: takes that like the worst case scenario f- to happen for you to realize it's actually not that bad.
2: Yeah, once you uh, once you have nothing, you can do just about anything, and that's where we were at—that bottom baseline.
1: So that's uh, why Ken and I are going to come on the fourteenth and just fuck with all the wires, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just pull things out of this. Will yeah. make them. This will make them yeah. stronger. Makes you stronger. This I mean, is character. <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, who are some of the other bands on the bill?
2: So we've got some uh, fantastic acts. Uh, Some of the notable people are with Sales Ahead. They just got back from touring out in Texas. They did a real long run. Um, They're an amazing band that is uh, this post-hardcore scene. Uh, They have a female vocalist who is absolutely phenomenal named Sierra who kills it, but all of them are musicians that deserve so much more than they have. Um, We also have Poeta, some of my favorites. They're from... I'd like to say the Howl area. They've toured across the country on Warp Tour already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're some of our close friends. They played with us in Rock, the Rocktober Feast that was put on at the, oh my god, in Neptune's the headliner. You know where all the Jersey Shore people go. Yeah, I did sound and played that gig, and I was like, yes, let's play more shows together, guys. Um, we also have. Two bands touring who are coming to use this as a date for their tours, one from Virginia called Pulses, Mm -hmm. who are phenomenal. They are – not only are they great musicians, they're just funny. They're funny guys. Uh, And then we have another band from New York whose name I'm forgetting. I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) The Ramones? (laughs) Yeah, we actually have – Dee Dee from the Ramones? (laughs) That would be a neat (laughs) jerk.
2: So uh you know it's been it's been interesting getting everything together and uh it, the f- the craziest part of all of this not one band had a problem with their set time yeah. 15 bands uh usually for a three band bill everyone's like oh can we do a different time yeah. This time, not a single person had a problem with it.
0: Yeah, because I like I said, I think, you know, everyone's just itching to play and they're excited to to play for people.
2: Yeah. That's I think that's the biggest thing. None of us have had like that big uh release of playing to like a big crowd. You know, some of us have played House of Independence, but they're still seating people and it's not general admission and stuff. So it's not the same. Uh so this will be a nice standing room of um, really just musical excitement. Just, it'll be electric. That's, that's what I know. It'll
0: surely be electric. That's great that you put this together. Yeah. For, uh, I'm sure the bands are thrilled for it. it. It was a little bit of a bastard, you know, doing, doing
2: stuff with zero money, uh, makes it a little bit harder, but we called in a lot of great people to be able to do, um, like, Be able to make things work. I know I'm backlining some of my equipment as well just because I was like, it'll be easier. We can all just share. Yeah, It'll just make things easier. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think if anything, it's more – I'm so proud of the music. But the community building scene because I feel like a lot of us have been um, distant or – Detached as of late because it feels more of a competition. Social media definitely makes it feel that way. Oh, so, analytics yeah. against analytics or seeing this person play on this tour or do what and what have you makes you feel, well, you know, just a, a little bit envious. But once you come back together, everyone's just doing the same thing and we're all working for that one same goal. It, uh, it feels really nice to be able to bring it back just, you know, homegrown, grassroots style. We're just going to do it. Just play a rock show. That's,
1: that's great. Crazy, man. Yeah, that's so cool. And again, that's um, May fourteenth. 14th, May fourteenth.
2: 14th. It, it, be, it beers for beers for tears. Is it what it is. Yeah, beers for tears. Fifteen yeah. bands uh, at Red Tank Brewing with doors at twelve. I, be, I believe that's when we're setting it up, and with music starting at one. It's going to be a full day thing, so you can stop by at any time. Um, and it's going to be an an absolute blast. Whether you are playing, whether you are there to see it, or you are just grabbing a beer that day,
0: yeah. So, and what time does serious matters go on?
2: Um, if I was a betting man, uh, I'd put two hundred on probably going around nine o'clock. Yeah, uh, one of the we're well, probably one of the like four last bands going on. I think something mm. something around there, uh, you know. And that's to be decided right now. We're pretty sure it's going to stay in stone, but if anything does happen. Uh, you know, it, we have to play with the punches. That's really sure. what it is. Especially yeah. with a fifteen band bill, uh, you know, you get a lot of different uh, variables that you don't usually see with a three bill
1: show. Okay, yeah.
2: Especially with touring people too, because we have people coming up from Virginia, coming down from the state of New York. It's a, I'm super excited. <laughs> it's all of this is gonna pay off, and that's that's been the real. The real huge
1: thing.
0: Are any of the bands uh, like honors choirs? Oh, because... uh, you know
1: what? Guess what? <laughs> it's been great having you. Uh, and I love rock and roll.
0: It's been uh, it's only rock and roll. <laughs> it's only rock and roll. Can you believe I I mean, I guess I can't believe it. What's that? That I didn't know the name. Well, of it was our show.
1: Yeah, no, that is true. That Yeah, I, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad that you didn't guess it right away because it's not. You know, because you're obviously going to go to like guests, you know, it was right. a Richard Marks song. It yeah. was a whatever. Uh, but yeah, but then, oh, then you got it. You're like, I'm so dumb. It's only rock and roll. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I could have swore the show was I admire rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> not not love i don't think i want to commit to love yeah
1: yeah i i enjoy it i enjoy rock and roll (laughs) i've i've heard of rock and roll it's all right i'm aware of (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: i love rock and roll adjacent (laughs) yes
0: um who were uh so let me ask growing up who were your guitar heroes
2: Man, my guitar heroes. Um, I think it's going to have to go with the the classic, Joe Satriani. My man, him surfing with the alien, that CD straight up has um, just lines from playing it. It is so many scratches and everything. I couldn't get enough of it. That was probably one of the first few things I started to like learn in practical guitar lessons – as a uh, guitar player.
0: I feel like uh, Joe Satriani, there's a handful of guys like him. I feel like they're almost like the comics comic. Like, like musicians rave about Joe Satriani, but not like a lot of just...
2: It's There's a subsect of... Uh, there's music fans and then there are musicians who are also music fans. Yeah. Those are the guys who go to the Count Basie and go see him every time.
0: Right. Uh, I couldn't name a song. I remember he had the, the Silver Surfer was yes. on the album yep. cover. I that's... remember the album cover. <laughs> um, but they're like all instrumentals, right? Well, Does he even have anybody sing? Know,
2: he is an all instrumental guy. He is like uh, take Van Halen and delete the David Lee Roth, you know, and that's kind of – On that album, he was doing like his testament to Eddie Van Halen by doing Surfing with the Alien. That was his hot for teacher. Yeah, And uh, and it shows. But he also had tracks that were this super laid back like, oh my god, I'm getting absorbed into the ambience of the feeling because he's just choosing these chords that a lot of guitar players just probably didn't know. They're not – They're not the usual, like, C, A. They're um, they're just a little bit augmented. And him having that musical skill to know it, mm, oh, chef's kiss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, David Lee Roth was just saying in an interview that um, they were – I don't know know how serious he was about this. But he was saying that if they did a tour to kind of celebrate Van Halen, that – he would want Satriani on guitar, Whoa. you know, with uh, with Alex on bass and Anthony on drums. That would be unreal. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know that that's anything but him just saying you know, like that would be cool. Being but David Lee Roth. Yeah,
2: it's funny because we had a seven-hour loop of him dancing. He has seven hours of him dancing online, and this is like. <laughs> probably 60 and over of David Lee Roth and that's what we recorded the entire LP's drums to. We had that playing in the background the entire time. <laughs> that's so funny. That's great.
0: Does a lot of like karate moves.
2: Oh my god, this guy is like the Ralph Macchio of music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny like if if you like if you brought an alien down today and showed him David Lee Roth now and then tried explaining like, oh, no, there there is a point in time where I was the f- coolest fucking dude on the planet.
2: Yeah. This guy was – he was. He was literally the panty dropper. Yes. Something mm-hmm. – uh, oh, what is that song? Is it Jump? Him just like talking into the mic during
0: – Oh, or, uh, Panama. Panama. Yes. Yeah. Just like – I like the way the line runs down you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bag of your stocking. Yeah. That was the wildest shit. Back then. I knew I knew it was over. So I I, I saw um, you know I was eight years old when they broke up. So I I never saw them. I did see them when they reunited with Wolfgang. You lucky. But man. I mean, it was cool to see Eddie. But David was totally you know his his vocals have been shot for a long time. But I saw him years ago on a co-headlining tour with Sammy Hagar. What? Yeah, at the at the Art Center. In really? yes they they went out on a uh they were both out of Van Halen at that point and they they were doing a they did a co-headline tour and I remember the line to the men's room was like four miles long, and there was no line for the women's room <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's over. It's it, like, that's how you know. Because if that had been a Van Halen show in 1984, mm-hmm. yeah. You wouldn't have been able, you know, you wouldn't have gotten into the ladies' room that night. And this was like, you know, there was like one chick for like every 400 dudes at this show. <laughs> there was a guy holding a vacancy spot for
2: the women's room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I I, I feel like I've missed so many amazing concerts only because just wrong time period. You know what I mean? I don't know. When I think of music, when I think of stadium rock stars now, I don't think there's even – the only thing that goes to my mind is the Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. Right now, I can't think of another band that was doing what they're doing at such a grand level. Yeah. Um, And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just people. Maybe people got over it.
0: There's, yeah, I think it just, I think it just fell out of fashion. You know, I think there was a time when people were like, you know, especially Chip and I remember 80s and 90s, especially the 90s when alternative rock started. And it felt like every day a new band was blowing up and selling millions of records and you got to go see them everywhere in concert. Um, It just, it went, uh, but it was also at simultaneously, the same thing was happening with rap. Yeah, yeah, You know, like it was like, oh, here's Dr. Dre, here's Snoop Dogg, here's Eminem, here, you know, and then all of that started blowing up at the same time. And then it just feels like rap just won.
2: Yeah, they overshadowed it because I feel like it was it's a lot easier to have a singular person be able to do over one producer's stuff rather than having a full band get together, put all their differences aside, agree on something and then play it at, you know, all together to sound good. Uh, It was just way easier to be the single person. Yeah. And I think that's actually come full circle now because there are a lot of people who are producing rock and metal who are only one person who are doing all the instruments and everything because it's just easier. Yeah. And uh, it feels weird. I feel like musicians are going to – I mean they're not going to go extinct. But the way we know them may change Mm -hmm. Uh, because – the the hardest thing to find right now drummers bassists things that have rhythm and groove for some reason you're finding a lot more people are just like i can program
0: this yeah it's funny i remember do you remember chip like in the 80s when it was like the drum machine was going to be the death of music oh yeah and then you yeah. found out like phil collins was using a drum machine on in, in on the air tonight and people were like well, what's he that's gonna put people out of work and oh, yeah. it you know what? Turns out it actually made for some really fucking great music. Yeah, it yeah. did. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. There's some some of the vintage drum machines I'll still go back and find exclusively for the sounds, because they're just so they're like the voice of the era. Yeah. And you'll hear them so friggin' much. Uh it's just like uh Bernard Purdy's Purdy Shuffle. You hear that literally everywhere. And uh, he's been doing it for almost 70 years. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, it's it's really interesting. I'm wondering where uh, musicianship and being a musician will go in the next 10 years because I certainly don't know. I certainly can't see.
0: There, there's still – I feel like there's still some rock artists making very interesting music. I think Jack White just made the most interesting oh record of that his career. True.
2: yes. I was um, just listening to that this week.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, have you heard it, Chip? Jack, uh, Fear no, of the Dawn. No, I saw them
1: all over, but I haven't. I haven't heard it yet.
0: It's. Um. It's. I don't know if it's the best, but it's definitely the most interesting album of his career. I'm, I'm including oh, White Stripes. Yeah. It's. It's. He. He did it. He recorded it like. Um, it was one of those quarantine albums, like McCartney Three, that we talked about, where he recorded every single instrument on it, right. sings every part, mm-hmm. um,
1: dyed his own hair. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> one thing I heard he, that he did, I, I was reading in an interview, he, he said that he wanted to, he wanted to just make it as weird as possible. So one idea he had was to record the drums last. And the drums were the very last thing that went into every song. That's an interesting which is
2: way to do it. Yeah, only because
1: it's like the basis. Yeah.
2: So that's it, the that's actually like the secondary style of recording it. Because I know you can do it that way to get more articulations on your um, the rest of your harmonic related things. So, for example, if you were doing if you had a uh, you know, you'd be following the drummer most of the time. Right. But if you have a click going on and everything is right and then you're throwing drums on top of it, you're going to get a much more enthusiastic, probably more uh, electric take compared to playing to just a click and like a scratch track, which is what usually happens nowadays. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with the whole music recording process as it is right now?
0: Uh, no. A little bit. Um,
1: like you know, It's –
2: pretty crazy because you can – there's multiple ways to do it. There's the retro way where you could go in as a full band and right. record. Um, yeah. That's how we did our live sessions. We actually just did that in September.
0: The Dragonfly sessions? Yeah, I was watching that.
2: Our Dragonfly sessions. I mixed and mastered and produced all of those. Um, and then we had our buddy Chris Kunichuk from American Stereo come in and film all of it at our uh, studio, The Spot in Trenton. and. It was absolutely crazy because we've never recorded in that way before. And that – it's a whole different um, dimension of recording because it's not perfection that you're looking for now. You're looking for energy and like is this the right thing for right now? Yeah. When we're doing it track by track uh, pre-production style, I'll record at my home studio and then we'll shoot it off to Darian's home studio. And then we'll come back to my home studio, re-record over his drums – And then we'll go to a real studio and re-record everything for that and do it track by track. And it comes up to being like 24 tracks per song. Oh, wow. Yeah, compared to when we would do – you'd have your 8-track or your 4-track. So uh, things have changed dramatically um, because even even the live recording, I had 17 drum mics that I had to keep uh, account for, just making sure that all the drums were perfect. And everything. so it's it's very interesting, as we're going uh, with all this new technology and stuff, uh, just what you can do. because even George uh, George Cummins had said, "Hey, I got this new TaskCam recorder., uh, can you help me out with it, Chris? Just yeah. make my number, And I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what <laughs> The doctor hook guy? what? <laughs> That's great. Um, so so it's weird. It's it's very it's like going um, it's like doing things blindfolded at this point because mm-hmm. music is constantly changes. They're, you know, on the radio right now, there are people who just blew up on TikTok because they made a mildly good song, but it's not even a good song. They made a good chorus, yeah, and that chorus is what blew up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's you know, it's more like um, we're going back to jukebox style. It's probably better for a musician to release singles. Right. Yeah. Singles. We,
0: we've we had that conversation. It's, it's – I don't even know if that's a good or a bad thing. Like the, juke, the jukeboxes were the shit I, I still love. Yeah. If I yeah. walk into a bar with a jukebox, I still get excited. Yeah, me too.
2: Exactly. So, you know, it, that's how we used to do it. I'm wondering if that – because before albums, you know, that's how you would do it. We'll,
0: we'll do this for a long time and then people are going to be like, oh, I miss listening to albums. Yeah, right. and then... yeah, it'll come back.
2: Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. Do you guys still listen to full albums all the way? Yes. Through? Yeah,
0: I, I I try to. Yeah, I have. I force myself to. I because I, my my first impulse is always just to hit shuffle. But um, I've I lately I've been trying to listen to albums all the way through. I've been trying to
2: do the same because I feel like there's this disconnectedness. All the songs have their own way about them by themselves.
0: Yeah, it's like this story that the artist wants to tell and you're you're not getting it. You're getting bits and pieces
2: or like, you know, parts of it. And especially uh, if someone does like a concept album. Oh, you're screwed.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: But uh, I feel like lately what I try to do is I'll go back. um, I've been on a big kick. Oh, shit. Uh, I've been on a big kick lately of – sounds so stupid. Japanese disco. Uh, and I'll just listen to albums and albums and albums and worth of it. Cause it's just so damn groovy and the ideas have fallen out of vogue, but they're so damn. great. If I was in the seventies, I would have been a disco head and everyone would have been throwing eggs at me.
1: <laughs> yeah. It sucks. <laughs> well, again, and going back to that, it, you know, there's, there was some great disco, yes. but there was such a backlash. And I think we, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode, but like a lot of it had to do with like. You know, homophobia, racism and things like that he yeah. was making it and you're like, oh, it was great music. But then you were just told the disco sucks. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to disregard all of that. And of course, there was some shitty stuff out there, but there was some brilliant music yes. when it came to that, that we were conditioned to be like, no, there's. Nothing, nothing is worth listening this, to.
2: You can just cut this genre right I, off. I, right.
1: I, I remember seeing the Rolling
0: Stones, a giant stadium on their 40 Licks tour, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was probably early 2000s, you know, like 2003 or four or something like that. And they were playing Miss You. And the guy behind me was screaming Disco Sucks the entire time. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, it's thirty years later.
1: <laughs> yeah, give it up, buddy.
0: It's yeah. all right. Wasn't even a disco song. It was just an R and B song. It just had a great rhythm and blues uh, riff to it. But it was like, Jesus, people are still mad about yeah. disco.
2: I always point to another brick in the wall. If you say disco sucks, tell me that song sucks too. Oh, that's too. all. Yeah, it's that all is
0: literally it. just the disco beat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, do, does your do, does your singer ever get like paranoid that you've been through so many singers? Um, no, because he's been there. Because he's been there. He,
2: he's been the bassist before he was. Oh, there. that's right. Yeah, he's, so he's he a utility like, guy. Yeah, he was like, all right, yeah, I see. You know, he uh, we also invested in like vocal lessons and things mm-hmm. for the last four years to really, you know, make sure that he was down with it because he did the same thing I did. Choir for eight yeah. years. Um, stuff like that. So, like when we're going together, we'll be figuring out harmonies and things of that nature, um, melody lines. We start just bringing a keyboard into every demo recording practice because it's just easier to find. Here's the harmony line, or here's the melody line. Sing this, and it's made. It's streamlined a lot of the process. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. you know, if it's just me and Kenny, we can pop out a record in two weeks. It'll just be slapstick. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if we do it all together. We can actually make something that's really rock solid and able to um, fully uh, fill out what you want from an album. Our first record was only written, in, or our first EP, uh, "Can You See the Sky from Here," was written in two weeks. Yeah, we got a label, and they're like, "Where's your music?" We we're like, "What music?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if people want to find you, where like where would you direct them? Like, where? What's your like listen to this. Like this is where this is where they should enter. If you want to uh, go, um
2: I would say start from our LP Mistaking Wasp for Dragonflies. That right mm-hmm. there is the uh our thought was it's a combination of five old tracks that we had written, um just that needed to get a place, and five new tracks that we wrote by ourselves. Um, and brought together and workshopped on our own, and that fusion of ten tracks really, really came together nicely. Yeah. Um, okay. That's and we great. were going to uh, we were going to do that on the Dragonfly sessions, do the whole album, but we actually had a problem, and we did twenty two takes of it. So we were like, we're just going to cut one song and replace it with glitches, and uh, unfortunately, that was one of my favorite songs, Summer Tides, but. It it worked out so well because everyone was like, whoa, glitches live. That's crazier. Everyone was also unexpected that we sounded the same live, you know, as we do playing yeah, recording. Right. So I was like, oh, yeah, just, you know, letting you guys know we do play. Yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, And now, ladies and gentlemen, a I Love Rock and Roll exclusive, even though you can hear it other places. I'm going to call it an exclusive. This is Serious Matters with Glitches.
0: You so much for
1: I was gonna say thank you for coming in, but uh, yeah, thank you, you, you for just being here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this is great, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for this, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, May fourteenth, uh, the 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 uh, uh, tears be- beers for tears, right? Yep, beers for beers tears.
2: For tears. Uh, right now, we've actually got the Aquarian uh, looking to do an article on it, and uh, we're hoping for a few more people to get the word out there to be able to do some articles on it. Uh, if you want to find out anything about it, uh, Facebook, Instagram of Serious Matters NJ. We've been posting the photos and the flyer. Um, I'm one of the coordinators, so I'll usually have the information uh, firsthand. Um, and then if you want to find any of our music or just about anything, you can go to SeriousMattersNJ.com. We just updated our website. And now it has all of our live sessions, our full album, any of our music videos, anything that you can, behind the scenes, photos, everything you need.
0: All right. That's great, man. Yeah. Well, well that's, for, that's great. Thank you, thank you for yep. coming in. And uh, if you're in the area, May 14th, go see a bunch of great bands. Yeah. And, um, oh, come see It's Only Rock. Oh, no. I love oh, rock. So <laughs> <laughs> come see I Love Rock and Roll Comedy at The Stand yep. on May 11th.
1: Yeah, With, uh, it's a big week for us.
0: Me and Chip, yeah. Full yeah. show, Chip and you together? Me and Chip together. Oh, yeah. a bunch and bunch of other great uh, other Other guests that we've had on the show, Sergio Chacon, Kyle Acasio, James Mattern, and uh, it's also maybe the coolest club in New York City. So get tickets to that um, they're on the stands website.
2: Are you excited yeah. to meet Chip for the first time in person? Yeah, I know. In person, <laughs> man, <It's
1: been> great.
0: <laughs> I'm such a big fan. <laughs> yeah, right
1: back at you, buddy. Right
0: back at you. All right, everybody. We will yes. see you next week. Thank you. Yeah.